You just gonna leave that up there? Thank you, thank you. My bike's a little bit bigger than that. Good morning, everybody. How are we all doing this morning? Good, awesome. All right, I've got one card to read before we jump into the announcements um, from Tiago and Jessica. Um, they say, CBC family, we wanted to thank you so much for your generous gift. You have all been a blessing and an answer to prayer for us. We're gonna miss you all so much. Our new home is always open if you are ever in town or just wanna stop by and see us. We're thankful that God gave us the privilege of having you in our lives for this season. Uh, you were not only the church to us, but also uh, a family, especially when our own flesh and blood could not be there. You will, you will all be in our prayers, and we have no doubt that God will continue to use you to minister to others and be his light in the world. Be encouraged, stay strong in the faith, and continue praying for each other and us. Uh, be thankful and trust God has a plan for, has blessed you with a great pastor who along with his family intercedes for you all and truly loves you. We cannot say enough, but thank you and we love you all. Your brother and sister in Christ, Tiago and Jessica. Uh, so yes, thank you guys for, for giving uh, to their, their gift. We were able to, to send them off with a little blessing there. Uh, so that's uh, thanks from them. Um, just want to go through some of the announcements in here. We got a couple of things. Uh, we'll kind of go in reverse order a little bit. Yes, softball is coming up. I heard Zach was playing. All right? Left bench. Is that what you got? Okay. Uh, first practice, cheerleader. I didn't know softball had cheerleaders. Okay, they do now. Uh, this is co-ed softball. Uh, our first practice is going to be May 9th. That's a Tuesday. We're going to be practicing at uh, Wayne Christian at their softball field uh, at 530. Uh, games start up in June. Uh, I forget off the top of my head what the date is, but it's early June. Uh, there. I think it's like the 6th or something. I have that in the back of my mind for some reason. Anyway, so that's coming up pretty quick. Got a month, gets a couple practices in uh, before that starts off. Um, also, we do, we are still in need of uh, children's church and nursery workers. Uh, if you would like to help fill the void uh, in either of those places, I know they got uh, a couple of spots in children's church that need uh, replaced uh, and also in the nursery for sure. Um, please, please, please volunteer and help with this. Uh, just take one, one week. Uh, that would be a big help, especially I know Tiago and Jessica, that's one of the spots and, and some others that are going to have to uh, step back a little bit. So uh, if you can help in one of those places, see me uh, or Lori Carver or Danielle Pridgen, like I say every week, Actually, just go see those ladies because that's where I'm going to send you. Uh, so uh, go to them uh, and uh, volunteer if you can. Also coming up uh, very soon next week uh, is our Missions Sunday. This is a, a big Sunday for us. We're really looking forward to the missions emphasis. A couple of things going on there. Uh, we've got a special speaker, Jeremy Sams, uh, is coming in to, to bring the message. There's going to be a combined Sunday school in here. Uh, so in here for the Sunday school hour and uh, the main service, all a big missions focus. Uh, we're asking you to bring in those jars that you've been filling for uh, the uh, USA missions trip. Uh, it's really a missions outreach. You'll hear more information next Sunday about that. Uh, we're asking if you could go ahead and, and sort that money, roll it, uh, get it ready for us there with the, co uh, the coins. Uh, it'll make it a lot easier on our counters uh, to get all of that money counted up and into the bank. Uh, we're also asking... Uh, to, to help out with our missions fund. Uh, we've been short. That's, I know that's been told to everybody a couple of times, but we've been short on our, our missions uh, 
throughout the last couple of months. Uh, so we're trying to make up that difference and give us a little cushion there. Uh, if you would pray about uh, giving an extra uh, offering to that missions above and beyond what you normally give, your normal offering to the church, and even above this, uh, the, the jars that you're bringing in to help uh, get, us, get us back where we should be and, and set us up for the future there for our missionaries, uh, I know that is a big help uh, there for them. It's a big blessing. So we want to continue that and keep that program going. Uh, also, uh, today after the service, uh, we've got a, a lunch with the people helping with our WISE outreach. We've had that insert in the bulletin about people going around, you know, knocking on doors, going door to door, just reaching out to our community here in LaGrange. Uh, if you would like to help with the, the door knocking, going door to door uh, once a month, uh, throughout the summer months to help with that. Uh, there's the lunch right after the service. We'll go over there, eat lunch, and have a meeting about that. Even if you didn't mark on your sheet that you would like to help, if you would like to just once a month join us, please come to that meeting. Uh, there's enough food for you. I heard lasagna, right? And garlic bread. Is it loaded with garlic? Because that's what we like. No vampires. And cheese. Even better. Okay. In case you didn't get enough. All right. So uh, that, that is right after the service. Please stay for that. Uh, we, the last announcement, I didn't forget you. Choir, 430. Uh, choir at 430. Uh, all right, I'm going to ask the ushers to come now as we look to the Lord in prayer uh, and we, we start off our service. All right, seniors, third Saturday, uh, you are meeting. Uh, let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this church, and I thank you for uh, their heart for you uh, and, and for our community, and I just pray that, that today you would be glorified by uh, everything that happens here in this building uh, as your church meets here. Uh, I just pray that you would be glorified uh, by our heart, uh, by our worship, uh, through, through the singing and the, the giving and the study of your word, and that we would be focused on you, and that through all of this we... Uh, leave here changed. I just pray for this offering that uh, you would bless it uh, and use it to further uh, your church. And we know that you've promised that you would build the church. We know it's not us. It's, it's not uh, the money that, that comes through here uh, and that is spent, uh, but it is you and the power of your spirit that, that builds the church. And I pray that you would do that and that you would use us to accomplish your purpose here, and that you would use the money that's given today to, to accomplish your purpose, both here in the Grange and uh, out all over North Carolina and our country uh, and even the world as we uh, give towards missions and we have missionaries sent from here. And I pray that you would call missionaries uh, from our midst as we look towards Mission Sunday next week. Um, that, that our hearts would be focused on that and focused outwardly and focused on the world uh, and sharing the gospel. We pray all this in your name.
therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Oh! 
I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless and before the throne. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that you are the chief cornerstone for each and every one of us to build a foundation upon. And Lord, the church is building that foundation, and Lord, we know it will not, it will not fall because that foundation is so sure. We thank you for all you've done for us and all you're going to do. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. In your name we ask it. Amen. If you want to go ahead and take your Bibles this morning, go to the book of Hebrews. We are in Hebrews chapter 5 this morning. Again, uh, just by way of reminder, uh, we do have plenty of food, so if you would like to stick around and help us out this year with our door-to-door uh, evangelism, we would certainly appreciate you being a part of that team. And uh, stick around for lunch. We've got you covered. So uh, again, even if you didn't sign up for that, we certainly would like to have you to be a part of the team. Hebrews chapter 5, and uh, in today's text, uh, we come to our third warning in the book of Hebrews. The writer has a series of warnings throughout the book of Hebrews, and that is very key to interpretation of this book. As you know, we've been discussing who this is written to, predominantly Jewish audience. Um, again, there were many there in that time, in that place, that this original writing went to, that had three types of people. Those three types being those uh, Judaizers who were non-believers. There were those that were there that were believers, converts, followers of Jesus Christ. And then there were those who were right there at the door, they were just about to the point of salvation. But they were feeling the pull of the Judaizers to go back into the ritualistic things. Well, today, in chapter 5, we'll see these three groups of people once again. And so I'm going to read the text, and then I'm going to give you the three-point outline on the front end. And I think you will find in this three-point outline that you'll see in the text, uh, it will help us in our interpretation of what is probably one of the most in misinterpreted passages of Scripture. Notice if you would, we'll begin our reading in Hebrews chapter 5, and we'll go back to verse 11 to pick up the, some of the context. You recall he was talking about the... the priestly line, and he did a comparison of Aaron, which is the Levitical, uh, the Aaronic uh, priestly line, which fell under Moses. We talked about that last time. But then he began to speak of a guy by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was not of that Mosaic line. He's an interesting character. He's going to elaborate more. We'll go more in-depth on Melchizedek. Uh, though there's not much in Scripture, as we get into chapter 7. 
But he said Christ was of this order, of the Melchizedek order. And there was a reference to the eternality. And so let's pick up in verse 11 of chapter 5 as we continue this flow of thought. And according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, and hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Chapter 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessings, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. Father, I pray that you will give clarity of this text. This is a vital part in this book study. And I pray that you will allow this teaching to go forth unhindered, that it will go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will illuminate understanding and teach us today, Lord. Give us your truth, your wisdom. Give us discernment. And then, Lord, help us to apply. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's sermon is entitled, Same Rain, Different Crop. Same Rain, Different Crop. If we're going to properly understand this passage of Scripture that we just went through, there are some key things that we have got to get straight. There has never been a more important saying than now of context, context, context. 
So let's go back, let's pull back from the microscope and let's get the big picture in focus again. The three types of people that this letter has been written to. Predominantly Jewish audience. And he's been speaking of throughout this text, warning them of various things. What are those warnings? You want to go back through and, and focus on those things because this is the third. But let me give you real quick your three-point outline if you're taking notes. By the way, no PowerPoint today. You've got to work for it. All right? Point number one. It's found in verses 5.11 through 5.14. I want you to look at your text and I want you to circle or underline the word principles. Principles. Verses in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, look for the word perfection. Perfection. You may want to circle or underline that one. And then the third is found in verses 4 through 8. And that is the word partakers. Partakers. Because I believe what you will find in these three words is the three different types of people in the big picture that the writer is writing to. And that is very important for our understanding. Because the first group he's going to speak to, he's going to speak to in reference to the principles of Christ. He's going to, and we're going to explain this, but those principled people are the, are the non, are, are, are the Judaizers. Those are the Judaizers. Okay, the non-believers, the Judaizers. I think you're going to see in the perfection is those Judaizers who've come to faith in Christ. They've, as he says there in 6.1, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. And we'll talk about that. Those are those believers moving forward in faith in Christ. And then the last one, the partakers, the partakers are the ones that are right there at the door. The Spirit of God is knocking. But the pull of them to turn and go back into the ritualistic practices of the Judaizers, those are the ones that are there just teeter and tottering. And no doubt... In way of application, we have three similar types of groups here today listening, listening via the radio, listening via the internet, or sitting in our midst. Non-believers. Rejecting Christ. Straight out. Good to hold on to their traditions, but that's about as far as it goes. Then we've got those believers here in our midst. Followers of Christ. And then no doubt we've got those who the Spirit of God is dealing with. And maybe you've grown up in the church. Maybe you've been around it all your life. Such as these people. You've tasted of the goodness. But you've never truly received. That's our three-point outline. Let's look, if we would, here first at the principles. Beginning in 511. Now notice what the writer does. Again, continuing the context, he's been making the argument. What kind of arguments has he been making throughout the Scripture? Jesus is better than. He's better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Aaron. 
What is his whole argument? His whole argument is, guys, you, you've got to make up your mind. You're either going to stay with the traditional things that are only shadows. Those are only types. That were all types and shadows teaching you about who the Messiah is. The Messiah is Jesus. He has come. Receive Him. That's his whole argument through this whole book. And so warning after warning, because if they neglect so great a salvation, they're going to be in trouble. If they hold to the elementary principles of Christ, that's not far enough. What do I mean? Well, let's look. He says that you've become dull of hearing. Again, he's, he wanted to talk to them. He's doing this comparison. Jesus is better than Aaron, the high priest, the high priest of the line of Moses. And all this. But he introduces them to the character of Melchizedek. Oh, they know who Melchizedek is. He wants to teach them about Melchizedek. But they've become dull of hearing. That word dull is where we get uh, the word sluggish from. Slow. Cover your ears, kids. Stupid. <laughs> the writer is saying, basically, you know, I, I wanted to tell you uh, about Melchizedek. We have much to say. It's hard to explain since some of you have become stupid. Some of you are a little slow. That's what the term means. And I know, listen, he... he, he what does he mean by this? It's the word nothros. It's slow, it's sluggish, it's stupid. He says, look, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teaching this stuff. But you're just, you're, you're sluggish about it. You're slow about it. And look, as a pastor, sometimes, I, I just being, look, I love you, I love you. But sometimes I've seen people raised in the church all their life and they couldn't lead somebody to Christ if their life depended on it. Something's wrong with that picture. If you grow up in a good Bible-believing church, week after week teaching you, time after time, attending Sunday school and attending services, especially at Community Baptist Church, you guys and gals better know the gospel. You ought to understand the gospel and you ought to be able to teach the gospel. And that's what the writer in essence is telling these people because who are these people? Who's this predominant audience? Notice what he says. Verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Key phrase. The oracles of God. That phrase was often used of the Mosaic teachings. The oracles of God at this point in time when this letter is written is in reference to the Old Testament scriptures. The Judaizers, the Jews, and we find this in, in, the, in John, we may reference that in a second, but the same phrase is used. The Jews, you were entrusted with the oracles of God. If anybody should know who the Messiah is, it's those who've been entrusted with the oracles of God. Those of you who've had the writings that point to who Messiah is, you ought to know. If anybody on this earth should know, it should be those of you who have the sacred scriptures. 
That's what he's saying to these people. But you're obviously needing somebody to come along and teach you again to show you how Isaiah 53 points to Jesus. How Psalm 22 on the cross is what you saw on the cross. You need somebody to reteach again. Even though you should have had understanding, you ought to have been the ones out on the front line telling everybody, this is the Messiah. Because it says this in the Scriptures. It says this in the Scriptures. It says this in the Scriptures. They had the oracles of God. If anybody should have been teachers, it should have been them. And again, in the Bible Belt in the South, I wonder for us as followers of Christ today, if that same statement doesn't weigh on us. Many, no doubt, grow up in the church, non-believers. Oh, they, they, they could tell you some things. No doubt these Jewish people could tell you some things. Notice what he says, to teach again the first principle of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And this is where a lot of people get confused. Because when we hear this statement, a lot of times immediately our thoughts go to 1 Corinthians. Hold your spot here. Everybody go over to 1 Corinthians. This is why I think a lot of people get off track. And honestly, I have two in my studies because when I read that phrase, I immediately identify with this passage that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you, were, you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not carnal and behaving like mere men. For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? And so immediately we think, oh, okay, yeah, I understand this. Yeah, I remember Paul talking about this as well, about the babes. But do you notice what he said? He said, babes in Christ. Does every time that the, the, the Scripture gives this analogy of babes and desiring milk, does that always involve believers? See, in the 1 Corinthians context, he started off with brethren. So we know he's addressing true believers. And he says, babes in Christ. So we know in 1 Corinthians he's talking about believers. But he's not talking, the, the author is not talking about believers in Hebrews. That's where we get off track. How do I know this? Well, let me give you another example. Everybody go to Romans. Hold your spot in Hebrews. Go back over to Romans. We're going to have to be on our A game today. I know the proms were last night. We got a lot of tired folks. Hey. I was up late last night praying y'all home, okay? I didn't go to bed till 2 a.m. My wife can vouch for it, all right? So if I fall asleep, y'all wake me up. But let's pay attention, all right? Because this is some good stuff this morning. Everybody go to Romans. By the way, I hope y'all had a blast. Love the pictures. Looked good out there. Y'all know who I'm talking about. All you telling you what. 
I know that's a fun time. Romans 2.20. Romans 2.20. Let me back it up. Then I'm going to give you the context. Go to 17. Go to 17. Romans 2.17. Indeed, you are called a Jew and, uh, and um, a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know His will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of what? Babes. Same Greek word. So babes in Romans is not speaking of believers. It's speaking of the Jews. Because context, context, context tells us who it's in reference to. So over in Hebrews, when we read, and here's the writer making this plea and saying, Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than the line of Aaron. He's of the order of Melchizedek. And I want to tell you about Melchizedek, but you're stupid and I can't because you're not understanding. You're, 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 you're not enlightened to the point of understanding. You're still babes. Because you're feeding on the Jewish law. You're, you're feeding on the Jewish traditions. And if you're just going to stay there, then you're unskilled in rightly dividing the word of truth. This is a big point here, gang. And so many people miss this. I, look, y'all know I, I enjoy my man MacArthur. All right? He got this one right. Read some of his commentary on this passage. Hits it out of the park. Very few do. But I'm telling you, context, context, context tells us exactly who this is speaking to. It's the word nepios. It means immature. But it's not talking about a believer. Notice what he goes on and says. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled. you got no skills, man. You need some skills. He says, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Again, they had the oracles of God that should have pointed them to Christ, who would make them righteous. Verse 14, but solid food. Talk about the milk? Let me talk about the meat. The meat... The solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He does a comparison between the milk and the meat. He does a comparison between the immature and the mature. And hasn't this been his argument the whole way? He's been doing a comparison all the way through Scripture. Contrast, comparison, contrast, comparison. And he's doing the same thing here. Context would, would let us know that. He says, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now listen, I know how, and this is probably a, a good illustration but a bad one. Shame on pastor. You know how you break out of being sluggish? Exercise. Now my man, Nate, he did some exercising yesterday. You want to know how? Five miles on a bike, no running, five miles on the run, 31 miles, I get that right? 
31 miles on the bike. Five miles running. Yeah. Fifth place. National, right? National championships. Guys, we ain't talking run for the sun. We're talking nationals. He got sponsorships. He gets to, somebody actually, you know, gives him his own Speedos to wear. He don't have to buy them. But I, that's impressive, man. I'm telling you. That's good. Really, seriously. It's hard enough for me to get up from the couch to the fridge. My man's riding a bike. So how do we break out of the sluggish? Exercise. We got to get it, right? And so he's trying to reason with these Jewish people and saying, look, you're slowing down. You had the shadow revelation of the Old Testament. But now you got the full revelation of Jesus Christ. In times gone by, God spoke to us in the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us in Jesus Christ. And so, He's making this plea. And He's getting ready to head into this warning again. Because He knows there are people there in their midst that are just sort of teetering. Well, I don't know. I'm filling the pool, you know. George says we need to go back into the traditional things. And that's all I'm used to. That's what I know. I feel comfortable with those traditional things. Pressing on to some new stuff. This Jesus, I just, I don't know. Their senses, that word, their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. It's just in regards to not morality. It's in regards to doctrine. It's in regards to teaching. Understanding what's right, what's wrong when it comes to the teaching of who Christ is. You were given the oracles of God to point this out. You need to exercise your understanding. Pour over those scriptures. Look at the arguments I've been making in comparison and contrast. You know this. You just need to respond to this. It's the faculty of the mind, the senses, the faculty of the mind for perceiving, for understanding, for judging. He who is righteous judges all things. Don't let the world tell you, judge not lest you be judged. Don't buy that. Don't buy that. Keep reading your text. Context, context, context. Judge righteously. Judge rightly. Something's right and something's wrong, especially when it comes to doctrine. Don't be unskilled in determining what the truth is. Eternity matters. See, they were like stubborn little babies. <laughs> They're like stubborn little babies. The writer's saying, I want to teach you about how Jesus is like the order of Melchizedek, but you're slow, you're sluggish, you're stupid. You should be able to understand this well enough now to be teachers to others. The principles. The ABCs of the Old Testament. That's where they were. That's the kind of babe they were. They were babes in the law. They were babes in their understanding. That's where they were. But what does he say in 6.1? Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Huh? Let us go on to perfection. Wait a minute. Leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. How can you leave Christ 
and get saved. That's what, I mean, you're looking at the text, right? You see why people get confused. How can you leave the teachings of Christ, the principles of Christ, and get saved? That sounds like an oxymoron. What does the writer mean? What is he saying? The word means to put off or to detach, to separate from an original condition, to put off. Let us abandon the principles of Christ. In other words, I'm done with, I'm leaving one thing to move to another. Does it say the elementary principles of Jesus Christ? No. Again, don't pour into the text, pull out from the text. This is why we do exegetical Bible study, guys. This is why this is so vital to us rightly dividing the word of truth. Christ is a term, a messianic term. The Old Testament was full of the principles, the elementary principles of the Messiah. But you can't stay holding on to the Old Testament practices and principles. Jesus has fulfilled the law. It is finished. Now, if you want to stay camped out and trying to work your way to salvation, if you want to keep doing ritualistic practices as if that has something to do with your salvation, that's Jesus plus. That's a works-based salvation. No, 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 no. These things were given to us. The law was given to us as a tutor to bring us to saving faith in Christ. We've got to leave those elementary principles. The elementary principles of the Messiah, the teaching of Christ, so that we can move on to perfection. This isn't teaching perfection and your sanctification in the sense of, well, you know, I'm doing better today. Didn't have any bad thoughts. Oh, blew it. Where's my perfection found? Where's your perfection found? In Jesus Christ. Not in what I do or don't do. You see, the battle with us today is we still have some good old legalists that operate in the circle of Christians that want to do Jesus plus. So some of these people he's writing to were thinking, well, maybe we can do the Jesus plus. And he's saying, no, no, no. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let's move from the old covenant to the new covenant in his blood. Do you see? Do you see what he's arguing? He's saying, let us go on. Let us be born along. If, if Christ, the Messiah, is, which points to Jesus, is the beginner, he is. He's the fulfiller also. He's also the completion. All your righteousness, your perfection is found in him. Give your life to Him. Don't turn back into what that old traditional way. How do I know that? Because that's exactly what He does. Notice what He says here. And by the way, our text, King James, you missed it. I'm sorry, but we're going to point it out. Notice. I love the King James, by the way, but they just, the, this, you'll see. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, 
and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on the hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Well, that sounds like what we believe, right? Christian, that seems like what we believe. Let me just tell you guys, Satan is very much in the word parsing. You better know what your words mean when you're having conversation with religious people. Because there's different meanings poured in. and You want to know the meaning of the word we're talking about. Strike up a conversation with a Mormon or JW. And on the surface... You sound like you're talking about the same God. You think you're talking about the same thing. Guys, even the Catholics, you got different definition in the meaning. So when we read this on a cursory read, a glance, again, especially if you've got off track on the other things, you, you think, well, what's this talking about? Well, let's explain it. If his argument, the writer's argument is, and it is, that you need to move on from those elementary things, those things of the Old Testament, and move on to that which is in perfection. That's found in Christ Jesus. We don't need to be laying those same Old Testament things. This is a list of Old Testament things. Notice. This is the ABCs of the Messiah. Ceremonies, feast days, holy days, rituals, washings, sacrifices, etc. Old Testament system. These were the basic ABCs of the Messiah. The writer is saying, leave the old way you were taught of the Christ in shadows and move on in Jesus. For He's the fulfillment. Leave the Old Testament basic things. Don't get stuck halfway. Lay it aside. Notice the first thing he says. Foundation of repentance from dead works. Foundation of repentance from dead works. Who taught that? Who, who preached baptism unto repentance? Who said, who warned you to come out, you vipers? John the Baptist. Bring forth fruit unto repentance. You see, the Jewish people, the Old Testament taught that there was a foundation of repentance from dead works. It's not the repentance and faith in Jesus Christ that we teach today. Oh, very similar, very similar in sounding, but completely different in meaning. John the Baptist taught people repentance, for the Lord is at hand. Faith toward God. That sounds good. Faith toward God. We've got to have faith toward God, right? That sounds good. Is it enough? Is faith toward God enough? Come on, your Bible students. What did Jesus say? You don't got to turn there, but John 14, 1. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, what? Also believe in me. It's not enough to just believe in God. What does James tell us? Who else believes that there's one God? Satan. Even the demons believe and tremble. You believe that there's one God, you do well. But even the demons believe and tremble. So faith toward God, that might have been fine in the ABCs of the Old Testament. But John the Baptist 
talked about this. He's made straight the path for the Lord. Christ has come. He has fulfilled. Now it's faith toward God in Christ Jesus. How about doctrine of baptisms? Oh, you Baptists. Now we come on now. Now we get somewhere. We got baptism in here. This word used here, the Greek word, the King James translated as baptism, did a terrible job. It's not the word baptism. It's the word baptismos. Not baptisma. Oftentimes when you read through the New Testament where it does use the word baptism, it is from the Greek word baptisma. This is baptismos. And whenever you see baptismos in the Greek, four times in the New Testament it's used. Baptismos. Four times. Baptismos. Three out of four times. Three out of four times. It's translated washings in regard to ritualistic washings that the Old Testament priests practiced. And there was all types of, you know, half an eggshell poured on your hands. Different types of washings. This is ritualistic cleansing. So three out of four times, they use the right word. And here we throw in baptism. No, 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 guys. This isn't a New Testament practice. He's talking about don't lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works, John the Baptist's teachings, Old Testament teachings, of the washings in the sense of ritualistic, the laying on of hands. This comes from Leviticus 1.4. Leviticus 1.4, the priests, before they would offer these burnt offerings, they would lay hands on the sacrifice, temporarily identifying with. Again, he's saying, you don't need to do these temple practices. You don't need to do those things, guys. It's done. It's finished. Resurrection of the dead. Remember, we've already talked about this. Sadducees denied it. They partially understood it. The eternal judgment, again, if they're just holding on to the Old Testament in regard to resurrection, in regard to eternal judgment, they've only got part of it. They lack the understanding. In Christ, we find closure. We find completeness. Listen to this quote from John MacArthur. Don't go laying the same old thing down again. Leave the ABCs of repentance from dead works for the New Testament teaching of repentance towards Christ. Did you hear that? Leave the ABCs of repentance from dead works for the New Testament teaching of repentance toward Christ. Leave the ABC of faith toward God for faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as God. Leave the ABC of ceremonial washing for the cleansing of the soul by the word. Leave the ABC of laying hands on the sacrifice for by faith laying hold of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Leave the ABCs of resurrection of the dead for the full revelation of the future life in Jesus Christ. Leave the ABC of eternal judgment for the full truth of judgment and re reward revealed in Christ. You see the point? Come on, get away from the Old Covenant thing. Have you noticed how closely though the Old Covenant truth is tied to the New Covenant truth? We don't say those things are not true. We just say they're incomplete. Right? Let's go, he says. Detach 
from incomplete things and attach to complete. John MacArthur. Guys, that's big stuff. This is the argument the writer is making. Verse 3 of chapter 6. And this we will do if God permits. John chapter 6 is a great parallel to this. We won't turn there. I will give you a few quotes from there. 644 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Earlier in the text, John 6, 37, he said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. God's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. He wants, He desires that you turn and put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's finished. And that's His argument. Third and final point, the partakers. So we've seen the principles, those Jewish unbelievers. We see the perfection, those believers who are in Christ. And now we look at the partakers, those who are in that in-between, what-do-I-do stage. Notice verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. If you can lose your salvation, if you believe a Christian can lose their salvation, you sure better circle that, underline, and highlight that phrase. If you can lose your salvation, then this text makes it clear it is impossible to get it back. It's impossible. Now, you know what some people who teach eternal insecurity have done? They've tried to make this word say, well, I think it difficult is probably a better term there. No, look it up. Do your own word study. Impossible means impossible. You see, that'll mess up a theology in a church if they think you can lose your salvation because, hey, Johnny blew it. Sorry, you got to go, bro. Nothing we can do for you. Wow, talk about hope. Guys, God doesn't teach eternal insecurity. God teaches eternal salvation. It's complete. So we know this isn't speaking to believers. People have twisted the scripture to say it's speaking of believers. And if you're not careful, you're going to lose your salvation. And Because this is what it says. Context, context, context. Here we go. Hang tight. I see what time it is. I'm going to try and get you out at a decent hour, but we got lunch. So here we go. All right. Notice, impossible. The word is impossible. It's used three other times in Hebrews. Chapter 6, verse 18, chapter 10, verse 4, chapter 11, verse 6, and it always means impossible. So it don't mean difficult. 
Notice that those who were once enlightened means to cause something to exist and thus come to light and become clear to all as in to instruct or to teach or to inform or to give understanding to. Those who have tasted the heavenly gift. Romans 6.23 The gift. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace have you been saved through God, is a gift. So there is an, this is a salvation reference here in this passage. It says, and have tasted the heavenly gift. Let's see if I can illustrate. When me and my wife were dating in college, take my sweetie out to eat. Now you got to understand, my, my wife was a very sheltered young lady. She grew up in the, in the nice safety of her, her home, and they didn't go anywhere. And you know me, I go everywhere. And I remember sitting out at restaurant after restaurant after restaurant. Oh, honey, you got to try this sushi. <gasps> Ooh, you got to have some of these crab legs. <gasps> I could not ever get her in those early days to taste it. I would say, honey, just taste it. You don't even know if you, have you ever had it? No. So then how do you know if you don't? You might like it. You've never tried it. How did you know? What's your favorite food? Mac and cheese? Well, how did you know you like mac and cheese? Till you tried it. Y'all have used this kind of logic before with people, right? <laughs> After many years, my wife finally tasted some food. Now, there were times she tasted <laughs> and spit it out. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. Did somebody eat in that scenario or did they just taste it they just tasted it and they spit it out they didn't eat it they weren't partakers of the substance that's important because this is exactly what we're talking about here in this text by the way my wife loves sushi now we love to go out and eat sushi man keep trying if your spouse don't like to try new things keep trying but these people here it says that when it comes to that gift they have, they have tasted the heavenly gift. They've become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you say about that, preacher? It says they're partakers. Yes, it says they're partakers. It means associates. They've associated with the Holy Spirit, not possessors. It says partakers, not possessors. Again, do some word study on this word. They are not possessors. It's something they commonly participated with. You know, you have people that participate in church services, sing the worship songs, lift the name of Jesus, pray, that never know the Lord. Many will come to Him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Thy name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not? And they talk about all these things. Oh, they associated with the Holy Spirit. But they were never possessors. They tasted of Jesus. But they weren't Romans 6. I'm sorry, John 6. They weren't John 6. They didn't eat of His flesh. They did not drink of His blood. And He is the bread of life. Read that whole thing. He's talking to Jewish people. Makes a great argument in, in, in again to what's going on here. 
Christians are indwelt, not associated with the Holy Spirit. Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Big difference, guys. Big difference. A guy this week, um, my wife and I are the worst drivers in the world when it comes to backing a trailer. Some of you know that. You've seen me try. Damaged both sides of the vehicle. We don't know who did which side, if I did both sides or she did both sides. But we got these huge dents in the back of our vehicle because we jackknifed a trailer trying to kill a snake. Some of y'all saw the two snakes. Killed two snakes. Uh, saw three in the same day. Uh, but two, after I showed, tried to show Dr. Shook the one, he was gone. Later that evening, we killed two snakes. Pulling in my driveway, telling my kids about the snake daddy almost ran into while I'm mowing the grass, hit a branch, and the snake about fell on me. And, and then as soon as I'm telling the story, there's a snake! Locked up my brakes in my driveway. Threw it in reverse. I'm going to run over his head. Oh, I forgot the trailer was hooked up. Jackknife and I'm a jack wagon. I know, it was just like... Killed the snake. But boy, he got to bite it too out of the back of the vehicle. So anyway, I'm taking my car this week, getting estimates, you know, turning in insurance. So I'm talking to the insurance adjuster guy, and he's, you know, he starts, we're just small talk, I'm looking for an opportunity to witness to him. Great. He ended up inviting him to church, you know. He may be watching online now. I actually told him to tune in. If you are, hey, how you doing? Good to see you, brother. Anyway. <laughs> but he started telling me this story about how he likes racing, and he was down at the race one time, and he had a friend who knew Richard Petty. And so his friend introduced him to Richard Petty. Well, they ended up going up and sitting up on top of one of the RVs and watched the entire race. And the whole time he sat there talking to Richard Petty. No doubt, pretty cool experience for that guy. He had experienced that opportunity that time. His friend knew Richard. He didn't. Did he participate, though, in that opportunity? Sure he did. Does Richard know him? Does he know Richard in that sense? Is there a relationship, an established relationship? No. Just because somebody's a partaker of the Holy Spirit does not mean they are a possessor, does not mean they're in that intimate relationship. Verse 5. They've tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame, it's impossible. It's impossible. Guys, I know what time it is. I'm almost done with this text. Please, tune in for just a hang in there. This is, this is good. We're going to finish this. Listen to what this has to say. This group, They'd heard of the miracles. Some of them may have even seen the miracles. This group had tasted the oracles of God. This group had been enlightened. They had been given the full revelation. Not the, not the part. They had been given the complete. They had been enlightened. They had tasted the Word of God. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like the same argument he was making previously earlier in the chapters. Remember when he was talking about the Israelites? They went out, but they would not enter into the, in, into the promised land. They came up short. Many of them did not believe because of disbelief, and because of that, the wrath was poured out on them. Now, some of those no doubt were saved, but some of them were lost. And I think the same thing goes here. 
He's appealing to some people that no doubt responded and received the full revelation and put their faith in Christ, but no doubt many of them did not. They turned away. And he's warning them, if you, after knowing everything there is to know to be saved, you willfully walk away from that, it's impossible to save you. There is nothing else I can show you. There is nothing else I can tell you. There is nothing else I can plead with you about because you have received the oracles of God as a Jewish person. You know the rituals. You know the customs. You know they all point to Him. And now we've explained to you. You've seen the miracles performed in your midst. It is just like the Pharisee or the, the, the religious guy who saw Jesus and accused Him of doing this by the power of Satan. What else could He show Him? Nothing was going to convince that hard heart. And because of hard heart and disbelief, they perish and they go to hell. And there are many people, countless people, who sit in churches around the globe who hear the truth. They know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but they never, ever receive Him. Oh, they taste that there's no commitment. There's no surrender. In closing, he sums it up with an illustration. To sum all this up, we've been talking about in verses 7 and 8. Notice what he says here. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. What's his point? The blessings of God. Rain. In his illustration, rain is a gift from God. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. Some bears herbs. Useful. This is a positive response to the gospel being illustrated. This is a positive response. He's trying to tell you Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than Aaron. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better. And if you will cultivate, if you allow the softness of your soil and allow the seed of the gospel to fall on that fertile soil, it'll bring forth fruit. The blessings of God. God sending His Son. This is, this is grace. This is mercy, and this is for all. But then the other, hard soil, rocky soil, sun scorches it. Notice the negative response to the gospel. Briars. Ah. Thorns. Chokes it out. What's the end result of that field? It's good for nothing but to be burned. It's impossible. Jewish people that he's writing to, there's no excuse. And church, I would say to us, because the Old Testament is given as an example, and the New Testament, we see this unfolded, and here is a great example. Be warned. If you sit here and you have heard the full revelation of God, the grace of God's gospel has fallen upon your heart, and you've got full understanding, 
you've tasted and you've been enlightened, but you do not commit your life to Jesus Christ and you walk away, whether it's to turn back to your traditions or whether it's to turn to your own way of doing things, it's anything other than Christ, it is impossible for you to be saved. Because there's nothing else that can save you. There's no one else. There's nothing else that can be shown. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by Him. This passage is a powerful passage, and I'm going to tell you, it's been a wonderful study. Get it. Get it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this study, and I pray that it has been clear in the minds of the listeners and the readers. And Lord, I pray that, again, we won't hold to some tradition we've been taught in regards to truth and scriptures, but we would examine this truth and rightly divide the word of truth because your truth sets us free. And the point of this passage is that you want us to move on to perfection. And salvation is a gift. Yes, it is. But we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We should press on. We should move on. We should grow in sanctification. We should move forward. Yes, we can take those applications, spiritually apply them. That's not a problem. But Lord, help us to understand the importance of this context. And just as if today, as it was then when this was written, if there be any listening, for whatever reason, have been enlightened, they've tasted of the goodness of God, they've been associated with the church in the, in the gatherings of worship, but they've never truly begin, have been born again. They've never truly received the Holy Spirit of God sealed, possessed until the day of redemption. Lord, I pray that today they would turn in repentance and put their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is enough. Jesus is better. And it's in His precious name we pray. Amen. Please stand.
His healing of His cleansing power revealing how He made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. I hope that dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought Oh, yeah. 